Welcome to the podcast of Church on the Rock in New Albany, Indiana. We believe the message you're about to hear will encourage you today. Are you good today? It's good to see you. All right, two people. All right, let's try that again. It's good to see you guys. Okay, okay, guys. I'm just making sure. We were in the right place here. Worship team, you did a great job as always. We appreciate it. Uh, so we got a good word for you today. We're going to start a new series this morning. And we're going to talk this morning about prosperity with a purpose. Prosperity with a purpose. So we're going to start a new series today. And we're going to spend three weeks here. And then we are going to have three weeks of Christmas. Isn't that fun? And then uh, we're going to end the year strong. And so that's what we're going to do. That's kind of our game plan. But today we're going to talk about prosperity with a purpose. So if you got your Bibles with you, let's turn to 3 John. 3 John chapter 1 and verse 2. 3 John. It says, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper. Now this is the uh, Apostle John writing to a church as an elderly man. He said, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. Beloved, I pray. He's praying because he's saying, now this is God's will for you, church. I need some help this morning. This is God's will for you, church. I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. And so today, if you're taking notes, the title of my message is Rich God, Poor God. Rich God, Poor God. You're awful quiet this morning. I know why, because we're talking about money. You know, they tell you, if you want to get a really quiet, awkward church, you talk about three things. Talk about the kids, talk about their money, talk about their marriage. And they will get so awkward at church. Everybody will be like, that's not me. I don't have money, kids, or marriage. Don't know what you're talking about, Pastor. No idea. But good for you that your pastor has no awkwardness talking about money to you guys. So your vibe is not going to ruin my vibe this morning. Um, and by the end of this message, you're going to be glad I talked about this because this is going to help you. So we're going to do three weeks about what the Bible says about money. And really, this series should be like eight weeks, but we don't have time because Christmas is coming. And so we're going to start here today, and we're going to talk about rich God and poor God. And this is going to be a foundational message for where we're going in this series and talking about money. So we need to lay the groundwork today for where we're going. So, first of all, many of us have grown up and we have been taught about money and most of us have been taught wrong about money. Most people have been taught either a worldly view of money or a religious view of money and both are not biblical. So, today we're going to try to give you a biblical view of what the Bible says about money, about wealth, about giving... Because most of us, whether we realize it or not, we have been taught what the world thinks about money or what religion has taught us about money. 
But the way we think about money and the way we need to see the way that God has to say about our money is so vital to our life. The Bible has a lot to say about your money. A whole lot. There is thousands of verses in your Bible about what God says about money. Two-thirds of the parables that Jesus gave were about money. Yet, a lot of church people don't know what the Bible actually says about money. But God has a lot to say about money. God gives commands about our money. He gives warnings about money. He tells us to steward our money. He tells us to work hard with our money. He tells us to be wise and to give with our money. God has a lot to say about money. So, as a good pastor, I'm going to talk about it because God has a lot to say about your money. And the reason God talks so much about money is this, is because it's connected to a bigger issue that we all have. Because money shows us what we really love. Help me today. Who we really serve and who really has our heart. Money talks. And Jesus said it himself in the Gospels. He said, where your treasure is, your heart will be also. Where your wealth is, your heart will be also. Where your possessions are, your heart will be also. Where your bank account is, your heart will be also. So that's why God has a lot to say about money because it tells him and everybody else who you love, who you serve, and who has your heart. So God has a lot to say about money. And God gives us even a lot of warnings about money. Why? Because money can so easily become an idol in our life that we end up serving it instead of God. But if we handle it the right way, the biblical way, now hear me, because that's what I'm going to teach you today. If we handle it the right way, it does not have to become an idol to us or a God. And if we handle the right way, it can be a gift to us, to our family, and it can be a gift that we use to bless other people and to bless the church and to bless the kingdom of God and for God's work to be done on the earth. But it takes money. The more ministry you do, the more money it takes to do it. So we're talking about money because God has a lot to say about money. Okay. You guys still awkward or are you good? I'm good or you're good. Okay, I'm good. So let's start here just to be controversial to start this message. Um, Before we go any further in this message, I want you to know, and I've said this before and I don't shy away from it. I am a prosperity preacher. I am a prosperity preacher. This church is a prosperity church. And I do not apologize about it. I do not backpedal on it. The best review I ever got on Google for our church was false teachings of the prosperity gospel. Be warned. I said, man, that is the best review I don't care about the five stars. I'm talking about that one star that called me out and said I was a prosperity preacher. Thank you. I am. I am. Now, see, some of you are still, you're not understanding what I'm saying. Now, that's why I said it first to kind of just stir it up a little bit, make it controversial. Because I might not be the prosperity preacher you think I am. Or people say about Church on the Rock, you know, Church on the Rock, they're one of them health and wealth churches. Yeah. 
you poor and sick churches? What I mean, I mean, who do you think God is? Like, what you want us to be a poor and sick church? No, we are a health and wealth church. Now, that's not the only thing we preach about. But yes, we serve a good. Now I'm about to preach, and I'm not. I'm barely into this message. We serve a good and loving God who wants us to be healthy in our bodies, and He wants us to have enough for us and more than enough to bless other people. I will never apologize about that. We don't preach a sick and tired and poverty gospel. We serve a God who wants us to be saved, yes, but He wants us to be healed. He wants us to be delivered. He wants us to be provided for. So yes, I preach the health and wealth message. I do. I'm a prosperity preacher. Now, many of us get uncomfortable when I say that. Why? Because people have taken that message to the extremes. But just because people have taken the message of prosperity to extremes does not negate it's in the Bible. You can't throw it out just because a few people have gotten in extremes about it. It's still true. But we must preach the prosperity message with balance. And not in an extreme. That's why we titled this message Prosperity with a Purpose. Prosperity with a Purpose. Are you with me? Okay. So when we think about prosperity, since a lot of people have taken it to the extreme, a lot of times the church world will go the opposite route, and now they have a poverty theology. A lot of churches teach that. They, they say, well, we need to keep the pastor poor. We need to keep the church poor. We don't want anybody to get ahead in this church because the, the Lord told us to be poor. Where do you say that at? And, and because they don't want to get in this ditch or this extreme in prosperity, they go the opposite way and have a poverty theology, which is not right either. And then they even imply things, which this is not the Bible, but this is what they imply, that if you're poor, that means you're humble and you're holy. And if you're rich, that means you're greedy and you're prideful. Your poverty or your riches does not determine whether you're humble, holy, greedy, or prideful. Your heart does. And you can have money and be humble and holy. And you can be poor and be greedy and prideful. Money does not determine that. Your heart determines who you are and what you do with your money. Are you with me today? So we're not going to go in one ditch or the other in this church. We're going to preach it with balance because we preach a message about prosperity, but prosperity with a purpose. With a purpose. That the message of prosperity, when we preach it, it's never just about us. The prosperity message is for us to be so blessed that we can help other people. God gives us prosperity for a purpose. And it's not just for us. So when we look at the definitions of prosperity and in the Bible, we need to understand what it is and what it isn't. So in the Bible, when it talks about prosperity, I wrote down all these different words given in the Bible for prosperity. When God says he wants you to be prosper, it's, it uses the words wealth, riches, abundance, 
blessing, to make progress, improvement, to become strong and great. The idea of prosperity in the Bible is always talking about total life prosperity, not just money. But money is a part of it. We, we can't act like money is not a part of you living a prosperous life. It is. But we see that when the Bible talks about prosperity, it's talking about total life prosperity. But money is a big part of that. And the Bible uses words like wealth and riches and abundance and blessing. It does not shy away from words like that. So we should not either just because people have taken it to an extreme. The Bible uses words like that. For those who do it God's way, there are blessings. There is wealth. There is riches. But we need to understand the definition of prosperity because if we don't, people will take it to an extreme. People will deny the message of prosperity because we see it a certain way. Now, here's why a lot of people have the wrong definition of prosperity and so that's that's why they shy away from it or either they feel like um well I guess God's not just he's not blessing me because that's what they said that God would give me if I was prosperous we need to understand when we're talking about prosperity and God wanting to bless us we are not talking about you having a Lamborghini you having a Bentley you having a Rolex, you having some Gucci flip-flops, you in a $5 million mansion. That's not what God says in the Word that He's guaranteed that you will have if you're prosperous. Now, are you with me? You got the brakes on or you got the gas on with me? You with me? Okay. I'm trying to lay some balance before we really take off here. The reason we need to clarify what prosperity is and what prosperity isn't is because a lot of times we've heard TV preachers who take it to the extreme and say, if you give me $10,000, you go get out of debt. You go to get a $5 million mansion. You go get that Lambo. You go get that Rolex in the name of Jesus. And everybody's shouting and dancing. And guess what? Those people are still broke next week. And then... People experience that and they go, well, I'm not going to believe any of those people talking about prosperity and blessing. If that's what it is, because that preacher lied to me. And yes, he did lie to you. That's not what God says in his word prosperity is. And so if we think that, then a lot of us are going to feel like failures the rest of our life. That God's not blessing me and not prospering me and I'm not rich in God if I don't have the $5 million house and the Lambo and, and the cars and the clothes and everything else. That's not what God promised you. But God did promise you that you would have abundance. He promised that you would have blessing, that you would have wealth, and that you would have more than enough. He did promise that. But that's different for everyone in here. So let's not put a lifestyles of the rich and famous or an MTV Cribs on what we think prosperity looks like and what God has promised us. Because then we will go to an extreme and a lot of us will get in a ditch and then we'll just stay, say, well, this message ain't nothing. They lied to me about this prosperity message. So we're not going to go to an extreme in this church one way or the other. 
We're not going to go into the ditch and this extreme prosperity message where everybody's $100 million and, you know, they, they're in mansions. Now, there's nothing wrong with that. If you got that and God blessed you with that and God's got your heart, but God never guaranteed that for you. But we're also not going to go in this ditch, which a lot of religious church people are. It's this poverty theology that I just need to, oh, just, just I don't need much, God. I'm just humble and holy. <laughs> okay, come on now. You're not going to do anything for God. You're not going to be able to help your family. You're not going to be able to help the kingdom of God. No, you need money to do what God has called you to do. Every individual needs money. Every family needs money. Every church needs money. And God wants us to be prosperous. He wants us to have riches and wealth in abundance. Why? For a purpose to bless other people. But if you can barely take care of yourself, you cannot help anybody else. I need you to help me today. So we believe in prosperity with a purpose. So when the Bible says rich... It does not mean, once again, a certain house, a certain car, certain clothes. And don't let somebody else tell you it does. When the Bible says God wants you to be rich or prosperous, it means he wants you to have more than enough. He wants you to have abundance. He wants you to have blessing. He wants you to have success. He wants you to make progress and improvement in your life. He wants you to have more than enough. And hear me, church. Uh, the Apostle John said in 3 John, we just read it. He said, I pray. That means he knows it's God's will. I pray that you would prosper, that you would have blessing and abundance and richness in God, that you would have more than enough. I pray that for you. The Apostle John prayed that to the church he was talking to, but the word is still speaking to us today. And I want to tell you as your pastor, it is God's will for you to prosper. It is God's will for you to have abundance. It is God's will for you to have wealth. It is God's will for you to have blessing. It is God's will that you would have more than enough. Why? So you can help other people. I believe that. Do you believe that today? But you have to know it's God's will for you to have faith to believe that God will do it in your life. And a lot of people don't know if it's God's will or not. They got question marks. But take the question marks away today. It is God's will that you have more than enough. It is. God gets no pleasure when we struggle. God gets no pleasure when his children can barely buy food or barely pay their bills or barely get along. God gets no pleasure out of that. God gets pleasure when his children are well taken care of. And we're walking in abundance and blessing and prosperity. But there's a purpose for our prosperity. And it's never just about us. So as we get into this message, and I boldly proclaim that I'm a prosperity preacher. We need to understand what it is and what it isn't. So we think right about it. So get this pie in the sky, mansions, Rolex, and Bentleys out of your head. Because I don't have one. I drive a Ford F-150 because I'm an American and I'm right with the Lord. And I've had three of them. I've had three F-150s and I live in a three-bedroom, two-bathroom house. Okay? Just in case you were nosy and wanted to know that. 
I don't live in a $10 million house. I don't drive a Bentley, but I am a prosperity preacher. Why? Because I believe God wants to give me more than enough. And you know what, your pastor? I have more than enough. And you know, if you looked at my bank account, I'm not on my bank account much. There's other people on that bank account. Why? Because my prosperity is not just about me. It's about other people. It's about this church. It's about my family. It's about all of you in here. And that's the way you should think about your money. If God has blessed you and prospered you, it's never just about you. Okay. So while I'm slaughtering sacred cows this morning, I want to take some more religious lies that we think about money that probably you've heard in church or maybe your granddad told you. Once again, we're talking about rich God, poor God today and how we view God and who he is. When talking about prosperity, many people get uncomfortable, like I said, because people take take it to the extreme. But people have been taught half-truths about scriptures in the Bible that are religious and it keeps people thinking in poverty. Keeps people thinking that, oh, God would never want me to have anything because I'm automatically going to end up being a prideful, greedy person who goes off the rails. Not necessarily. If your heart's right with God, there's, there's no end to the abundance that he can flow through you if you keep your heart right towards him. Here's one. Jesus was poor, so I need to be poor. Let me dismantle this in a few seconds. You ready? I'm going to give you a quick recap. I'm not going to quote the verses, but they're in there. You can look at them. People will say, well, pastor, Jesus was poor, so I need to be poor. Wrong. First reason he wasn't poor. When Jesus was born, he had wise men come to his house with gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now, in that day, when people would come like that, like a wise man to a king, they would not just bring one tiny little box. These wise men probably brought boxes and boxes and camel loads of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And how many know gold cost a lot back then, and it still does today? Just based off of the wealth that the wise men gave to Jesus, Jesus would never have to work A day in his life if he didn't want to. Because of all the wealth that the wise man gave to Jesus. So Jesus was not poor. On top of that, because his parents were good, we know that his parents kept that money for him for the future. Also in the Bible, it says that wealthy women. Where are my women at? Come on, where are my women at? It says in the Gospels that wealthy women and men funded Jesus' ministry. Jesus had a staff, sometimes of 12, but most of the time there was over 70 people working for Jesus' full-time ministry staff. How many know if you have no money, you could not pay your staff? It says in the Gospels that when the crowds would come to hear Jesus preach, which there was thousands and thousands and thousands, that when they would come and they would be hungry, Jesus told his disciples, not that they didn't have money. He goes, we have money. We just have no place to buy food. 
So Jesus had enough money in his disciples to feed thousands and thousands of people, but the problem was there was nowhere to buy food. If he was poor, Jesus would not have had that money. Last but not least, Jesus had a treasurer. If you got two pennies and a toothbrush, you don't need a treasurer. Are you with me? So Jesus was not poor. Now, Jesus was not poor, but also that doesn't mean that Jesus used the money on himself. He used that money for a purpose, to bless other people, to bless his disciples, to bless the multitudes, to feed people, to help people. Jesus was not poor, but he didn't necessarily use that just for himself. But many people have been taught in church, Jesus is poor, so you need to stay poor. He wasn't. He had prosperity with a purpose. Here's another one we, we believe because we've been taught religious lies, which is a, it's a half scripture. They don't quote the whole thing. You can't have God in money. That is not what the scripture says in the Gospels. The Gospels say you can't serve God in money. Big difference. But people will half quote it and say, well, you know, the word of God says you can't have God and money. No, it says you can't serve God and money. You can have them both, but you can't serve them both. You have to choose who you will serve. And if you choose to serve God, you can have money because he knows if he can get it to you, he can get it through you. He knows if I give it to this person and they're serving me, they're going to bless people. If I give it to this person and they're serving me, then they'll bless their church. If I give it to this person, they'll bless their community. It does not say you can't have God and money. It says you can't serve God and money. But many people have believed that lie because they've heard a half-truth. God cares about our hearts. So he says, I want you to serve and love me, not money. So you can use that money to be a blessing to other people. God doesn't care that you have things. That you have money, that you have wealth, that you have possessions. He just cares if those things have you. That's the issue. It's a hard issue. Here's another one. Money is the root of all evil. Once again, it's a half-truth. You didn't quote the whole verse. The Bible says that the love of money is the root of all evil. Not money. But religious people leave that part out. Once again, it's not about the money. It's about who you love and who you serve. The warning is don't love and serve money. Love and serve me. And use money to help other people. But many people will half quote that and say, well, you know, pastor, money is the root of all evil. You know why I'm talking like that? Because that's how religious people talk. They always got a bad attitude, grumpy look, and probably bad breath too. Crusty, religious. You know the Pharisees did. Here's what you need to know about money. Money is amoral. Money is not good or evil. It's not. It depends on who has it determines what you do with it. 
Now stay with me because if you just think that the money's evil and money's wrong and money's wicked because you believe the half-truth when it doesn't say that, it says the love of money is, you will not believe that God wants to bless you because you're going to stay away from it. If that's evil and wrong, I don't want to do that if God doesn't want me to have that. But money is amoral. Money is just a tool. And in the wrong hands, it is evil. But in the right hands and in the godly hands, it will bless other people. Now we realize a million dollars in the hand of somebody who works for a porn company will do a lot of evil. But a million dollars in the hand of a church will do a lot of blessing. It's not good or evil. It just depends on who has it. So wouldn't you think, just think with me, that the God of the universe would want His people to have it and not people that are evil to have it? Wouldn't you think that God would want the church to have it and godly and righteous people to have the wealth, the possessions, the increase, the riches? Why? Because He knows if it gets in their hands, they will do blessing with it. They will do life-giving things with it. They will help other people. He doesn't want it in the hands of the wicked and the evil. But if we've been taught wrong about that, there's a lot of believers and church people that run away from any kind of money or wealth or prosperity message because like it's evil. No, it's not. It just depends on who has it determines what it does. So money is not the root of all evil. It's just the love of it that gets us in trouble. It's the serving it that gets in trouble. God doesn't care that we have things. He just cares if things have us. We can love and serve God and still have money because he knows if our heart is right towards him, we'll use it to bless people, to help people. We'll use it for his kingdom, for his glory, for his plan. But we need to understand God doesn't care that we have these things. And he wants us to have these things if our heart is right. Now, when I say God doesn't care that you have things, he just cares if things have you. Well, how do you know? If you can't give that thing away, it has you. There's the test. Because many of you are like, Pastor, well, I don't got nothing in my life that has me. Could you give it away if God told you to? Because if you can't, it has you. Could be a car. Let me push you. Could be a house. Could be a family heirloom. Oh, I, I would never give away this ring. What if God told you to? Could be a, a, a pair of clothes, some shoes. Could be a guitar. Could be a lawnmower. Could be a shotgun. Could be a purse. How, how do you know, Pastor, if things have me? Because I don't feel like things have me. If you couldn't give it away, it has you. And God doesn't want there to be anything in our lives that we say, God, I won't give it away. If we're really loving and serving God with our wealth, with our possessions, with our riches, with our increase, that means that there's nothing in our life that we say, that's mine and not yours, God. A lot of times we've been taught in the church world that the answer to greed 
is we all just need to be in poverty. But the Bible says that the answer to greed is not poverty, it's generosity. It's being a giver. God doesn't say, become poor so you can avoid being greedy. He says, no, I'm going to bless you and I'm going to prosper you, but the way you avoid your heart becoming greedy and prideful is you continue to be generous. Be a giver. Don't let anything have you. Be willing to give everything for the cause of Christ. Be willing to give everything that I have because I blessed you with it. And so the way we keep our heart right towards God of never getting greedy and prideful if God blesses us is we stay on the giving side of life. We stay generous. We stay giving. Everything in our life we have with an open hand. God, you want my car? You want my house? You want me to sell this? You want me to give this? You know, I'll get this stock out of here. I'll take this investment out of here because it all belongs to you. That's how you keep your heart right and never get greedy. You never go in a ditch where, where God says the people that love and serve money, they, they shipwreck their life. How do you avoid that? It's not poverty. It's generosity. It's being a giver. You still with me today? So, that was a warm-up. That was, that was just a warm-up. That was just an appetizer. I'm about to give you the real meat and potatoes. Okay? But I had to lay that foundation because we have a lot of wrong thinking, all of us, about money, and we need to see it in a balanced way. So let's read again 3 John 1 and verse 2. We're talking again today about rich God and poor God, how we see God. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. Notice that, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. Your soul prospering, your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. So he's saying here that you will only prosper to the level that you think in your soul that you can get to. You will only prosper to the level you see God as someone who wants to prosper you. You will only prosper to the level that you see God being your provider and prosperer and blesser. But it says, beloved, I pray that you would prosper and be in health just as your soul prospers. Many of us think just because we hear verses like this, we get it. No, as your soul prospers. That means as your inward man believes and thinks and sees God for who he really is, then you will prosper and be in health in all things. That's why we're talking about who God really is today. Because we all in here have an opinion and a view of God that will determine what you believe that he will be to you. We all have a view of God in here. Like I said earlier, most of it has come from the world or religion, which both are wrong. But how we view God will determine how much blessing and prosperity and wealth comes to us. How do we see God? Do we see God as a rich God or as a poor God? How do you see God? Do you see God as someone who is rich and abundant and prosperous and generous? Or do you see God as poor and stingy and struggle and scarcity. How you view God will determine 
how you prosper. We got to see God for who He really is. And your Bible reveals that God is not a poor God. God is not a God of, 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 of stinginess and struggle and barely get by in poverty. God is a God of richness and abundance and prosperity and generosity. That's the God that we serve. Come on, I need some help in this church today. That's the God that we serve. And if you don't see Him that way, then you won't experience the blessing and prosperity He brings into your life. Why? Because you will only prosper as your soul prospers. And if you think God is just a barely get by God, barely, you know, can pay your bills, barely can feed you, barely can, you know, he's struggling in heaven. He's just, he, he doesn't mind me. He, you know, he doesn't care about me. He can barely, barely pay his bills. This is what religious people say. Or do you see God for who he really is? Now, some preachers are afraid to preach it, but I'm not afraid to preach it today. So I'm going to preach the rest of this message. Since you feel like, <laughs> listen, we serve a God who has abundance, who has prosperity, who has riches and generosity. He is the God of the universe. He has more than enough. And we have to see him as he really is. Many preachers and churches have dumbed God down to some lower level so people won't believe anything. But what you view and believe about God will determine who He is to you. Hear me this morning. When you or other people attack the prosperity message, you're attacking the character and nature of God. People will try to turn it into a different debate. No, it's not another debate, y'all. When you attack the prosperity message... You're attacking the character and nature of God. Who do you think He is? Who do you think God is? My Bible believes and shows you that He's a God of more than enough. Now, now most Christians would say, man, I believe He's a Savior. He is. And then take it to the next one. I believe he's a healer. Most churches are, they're okay with that, but some churches are, I don't know. But if you start talking about Jesus wants to be your provider, oh, they get upset. He wants to be someone who prospers you. They don't like that. Why? You're attacking the character and nature of God. Who do you think he is? We need to preach God in all His fullness. God in all His glory. God in all His power. God in all His abundance. Don't dumb Him down to your level of faith or your level of religion. We need to see God for who He is. He's a rich God. A God of abundance and prosperity. He's a God who's, yes, your Savior, but also He's your healer. He wants to heal physical bodies. He wants to heal your mind. He wants to heal mental health. He wants to heal you from the top of your head to the soles of your feet. It says that by your stripes, He is healed. But it also says He wants to be your provider. 
He wants to be your prosperer. He wants to be a God of abundance to you. He wants to help you with your needs. If God can help you with your eternal needs, why can't he help you with your natural needs? Think with me here. How many know that makes no sense? God handled the big issue, which was your eternity, but he can't help you with your bills. He can't give you some food. He can't meet your needs. God could handle eternity, which is way bigger than the food in your paycheck. But God can't do that for you. We need to see God for who he really is. I mean, I feel religious devils screaming today. See God for who he really is. He is a God of abundance. Yes, your Savior. Yes, your healer. Yes, your provider. The God that wants to give you more than enough. We got to preach God in all his fullness. I'm sorry, I got a little too excited there. He's the God of more than enough. He's a God of increase. He's a God of abundance. He's a God of prosperity. He's a God of provision. The Bible, one of the names of God in the Old Testament is He's Jehovah Jireh. He's the Lord, our provider. He's the Lord, our provider. He's the Lord who gives us more than enough. Look at what Jesus said in John 10.10. The thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I have come that they may have life and they may have it more abundantly. Let's look at the amplified of this. The thief comes only in order to steal, to kill, to destroy. That's what the devil does. And in the Old Testament, because we said destruction comes from the thief, in the Old Testament, it says, the destruction of the poor is their poverty. You can never spin that into a blessing. But church people try to. Isn't that weird? Church people need counseling. They need help. Like God is blessing them with poverty. No, the Bible says the destruction of the poor is their poverty. It's the thief that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Not God. Jesus said, who is God? This is what he came to do, that they may have and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full until it overflows. Till it overflows. I don't hear barely get by. I hear abundance in that verse. I hear prosperity in that verse. I hear blessings in that verse. Jesus said, this is the will of God. The thief is the one that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that they have, may have life and have it in abundance until it overflows. Now, once again, I'm not just, that's not just money, but money is a part of the abundant life, the overflowing life. You need that to live. So as we wrap up today, what does that mean, Pastor? Nothing at all. <laughs> nothing at all because I have so many notes but I, I'm going to really try to close in the next hour or so <laughs> no not that long but 
we're talking about who you see God as. Do you see him as a rich God or a poor God? will determine what you believe about him and what you can receive from him. We need to believe about God in all his fullness that he is a God of more than enough. Let me give you three reasons as we close why God wants to prosper you. I've already given you a lot today, but let me give you three reasons why God wants to prosper you. Because we're talking about prosperity with a purpose. First one is, and these are real simple, but I want them to be real simple. God is a good father. God is a good father. If we had no other reason than this, this would be more than enough reason for God to prosper us. God is a good father. Matthew 7 and verse 11. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask Him? We serve a good God and a good Father. If we had no other reason than this, this would be more than enough reason to believe that God wants to prosper you and provide for you. God is a good father. Now, I had a good dad. I still have a good dad. He's in Michigan today. And all my life, I've lived with this mentality because he's a good dad. Whatever he has is mine. And I test it. And I'm not afraid to ask him why. Because I got a good dad. My whole life, it's been that way. Dad, can you help me with this? Dad, could you do this for me? Dad, I need this. Why? Because he's a good dad. And if he, the Bible says, compared to God's goodness, is evil, how much more your Father in heaven will give good things to his kids? If compared to God's goodness, my dad is evil and he will provide for me like that, he will bring abundance into my life like that, whatever he has is mine. God, the God of the universe, feels the same way about me. Whatever he has is mine because I'm his child. And if we ask him, he will give good things to those who ask. He will. God wants to prosper you because he's a good Father. Now I'm a dad. And I got a little girl. And there's nothing more that gives me joy when I can bless Natalie. When I could pay for her dance class or when I can take her to dinner or when I can take her shopping or when I can provide something for her. Why? Because I'm a good dad. And the Bible says if, if I'm evil comparatively to God's goodness, and I feel that way? I mean, how does God feel about me? How does God feel about all of our kids? How much pleasure does he get when he gets to provide for your family? How much pleasure does he get when God blesses your life and blesses your family and can take care of his kids? God is a good father. God wants to prosper us because he's a good father. 
Now, and you guys understand this. If your child or grandchild was walking around with rags on, hungry, struggling, you would get no pleasure out of that. It would grieve you. But yet religious people act like that's what makes God happy. Because God's trying to teach us all something. Religion. If I saw Natalie like that, I would immediately do something about it. I would be grieved. I would say, no, hey, we're going to go get some food. We're going to get some clothes. It would give me no pleasure. And if I feel that way, how much more does God feel that way about all of us? His kids. It gives him no pleasure when you're struggling, when you're poor, when you can't pay your bills, when you're not doing well. What gives him pleasure is when you're provided for, when there's abundance in your house, when there's wealth in your house, when there's, there's all these blessings in your house, when you have more than enough. God is pleased. Why? Because he's a good father. He's a good dad. Gives him no pleasure to see anyone struggle. So don't let a religious person flip that on you and act like, well, God's teaching them something right now. No, he's not. There's an enemy who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He's the one destroying that person, not God. God wants his children taken care of. Psalm 35 and verse 27. Let them shout for joy and be glad who favor my righteous cause. And let them say, continue, let the Lord be magnified. Who has pleasure? Speaking of God, who has pleasure in the prosperity of his servant? So how is God against prosperity when it says he has pleasure when his people, his servants, his children have prosperity? Brings God pleasure. Why? Because he's a good father. Second thing is, it's part of your redemptive rights. It's part of your redemptive rights as a believer. The Bible says that we have been redeemed from the curse because of what Jesus has done for us. And part of the curse in the Old Testament was never having enough. It was poverty. But the Bible says because of what Jesus did on the cross, He reversed the curse and we're no longer under a curse. We're under the blessing of God. Because of what Jesus paid for. And part of the blessing is being prosperous. Having more than enough. Let's look at a verse here, 2 Corinthians 8 and verse 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, though He was rich, Yet for your sakes he became poor that you through his poverty might become rich. Now, in the context of these verses, it's talking about money. So don't try to over-spiritualize this because that's what people do. 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, both chapters are talking about money, finances. And it says that though Jesus was rich, he became poor that through his poverty he might make you rich. Once again, what does rich mean? Have more than enough. He didn't say to make you have a mansion or make you have a Bentley. He said to give you more than enough. 
Here's the next question. Well, pastor, you told me Jesus wasn't poor. So when was he in poverty? The same time he was our sickness. The same time he was our sin. The same time he was our depression. The same time he was everything that was against us. Jesus became poor on the cross just like he became our sickness, just like he became our sin, just like he became everything that was against us. At the cross, Jesus paid the price for our sin for our sickness and also our poverty, that we could be redeemed out of that and that we could be saved, healed, and have more than enough. It was at the cross he did that. It's a redemptive right for every believer that we live in prosperity. The same way he paid for your sin, that you believe. What if we had just as much faith in that as we do him paying for our sin. Because he paid it at the same time. Just like he paid for your healing. By his stripes you are healed. At the cross he paid for your physical healing. It says at the cross he became poor. That through his poverty you might be made rich in him. That you would have more than enough. Same time at the cross. It's part of your redemptive rights. Are you getting something this morning? You with me today? It's part of your redemptive rights. At the cross, Jesus paid to redeem you from the curse of poverty and never having enough. He became poor that through his poverty you might be made rich. Last one, Brother Darrell, you could come play. Thank you for being here today. God wants to prosper you, last one, for the purpose of blessing others. God wants to prosper you for the purpose of blessing others. In Genesis 12, it talks about Abraham, which Abraham was the father of our faith says he's the father of everyone that believes. And in Abraham's life, God said in Genesis 12, 1 through 3, I'll just quote it. It says, Abraham, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to prosper you. And it says, I want to bless you so you will be a blessing. And in you, Abraham, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. God wants to prosper us. Yeah, because he's a good father. Absolutely. Yes, because it's a part of your redemptive rights as a believer. Yes. But God wants to prosper you for the purpose of being a blessing to others. God said, I'm going to give you wealth, Abraham. And if you read the life of Abraham, he was very wealthy. Abraham, the father of our faith, said he was rich in gold, silver, and cattle. How many know they still making money thousands of years later? Gold, silver, and cattle. He was a very wealthy man, but God said, I'm going to bless you, Abraham, but I'm going to bless you for a purpose. There's a purpose to prosperity. It's not so you can get fat and sassy. It's not so you can be wealthy and put it on Instagram. It's not so you can brag 
about your wealth and your riches. Abraham, I'm going to bless you and prosper you so you can be a blessing to other people. That's purpose. We don't just believe about prosperity around here for us. We believe in prosperity with the purpose. And how many of you know the poor cannot help the poor? It can't. The poor cannot help the poor. I've been in church my whole life. And I've seen so many people come to this church and they got a heart for, let's do social justice. Let's feed people. Let's clothe people. Let's do this and do that. And most of those people had no money. And I'd always think, great idea. But how you got to do it? Because the poor cannot help the poor. And if you fight against the prosperity message, you're shooting yourself in the foot. How you go bless anybody else? I believe we should be a blessing to other people. But if we don't have anything, how are we going to bless them? If we can't pay our bills, we can't pay anybody else's bills. If we can't feed ourselves, we can't feed anybody else. If we can't clothe ourselves, we can't clothe anybody else. God wants to bless us so we can be a blessing. The poor cannot help the poor. You have to have something to be able to give something. And we're going to have some opportunities in the next few weeks we're going to talk about on ways you can bless people. Because this is a prosperous church. But there's always a purpose to our prosperity. It's never just about us. Do you realize that God does something in you so he can do something through you? Come on, we got to end this strong today, church. You got to be with me. God does does something in you to do something through you. You know what that means? When God saves you, he wants you to go out and get other people saved. Freely you received, freely gived. When God heals you, it's not just so you can lay back and say, praise God, I'm healed. He wants you to take that healing and go see other people healed. And when God blesses you and prospers you financially, He wants you to start sharing that with other people. Start giving generously. God blesses you to be a blessing. God heals you to heal people. God saves you to save people. God delivers you to deliver you. And He blesses you so you can bless other people. Prosperity with a purpose. That's what it's for. Look at what it says in 2 Corinthians 9 and verse 7 and 8 talking about money. You must each decide in your heart how much to give and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. But look at this. And after the person, we're talking about somebody who's generous and gives. And God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need. And there's the purpose. Plenty left over to share with others. God says when you give, I'm going to give back to you. That you will have more than enough for you. That's prosperity. And more than enough so you can share with others. That's the purpose. That's God's will for every one of us in here. 
every single person that God wants to bless you so much, you and your household is blessed and taken care of and prosperous and plenty left over to share and to give with others. That's the purpose. That's the purpose. Prosperity with a purpose. What could God do with a church, with a community that money was no issue? Think about how much we could bless this community, bless this region. And we're doing good as a church, but we're going to continue to do better. And Church on the Rock, we're on our way there. We are going to be a debt-free church. You know why? You know why? So we can give more. So we can bless more. So we can help more. So we can do more ministry. We're going to be a debt-free church. We're going to have bank accounts filled with money. Not so we can go to the Bahamas. So we can bless other people. So we can prosper other people. And we will get to the place as a church community that we can pay for everything with cash. We're going to get there. When there's a need, we can pay for it. When there's a church that needs help, we can handle it. When there's people that need help in our church, we can do it. Why? Because we believe in prosperity with a purpose. That's where we're going as a church. Now, we've already done that all these years, but how much more can we do and where we can go if we all believe that? We're going to do it, church. We're going to be a debt-free church. Why? There's a purpose behind it. Last but not least, I love this verse out of Deuteronomy. And it's talking about God's people going into the promised land, the place that He has for them. And listen to the language that what God says He's going to do for His people. And then the purpose behind it. So just listen to these verses as I read them and get them in your heart because God wanted to do this for His people in the Old Testament, but how much more us? Listen to the language here. Deuteronomy 8, and verse 7 through 18. Just listen to this. This is for all of you in here. This is what God says about you. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land. Not a bad land. Not a land of poverty. No, it's a good land. A land of brooks of water. I think that sounds like abundance. Of fountains and springs that flows out of valleys and hills. A land of wheat and barley. Of vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of olive oil and honey. A land which you will eat bread without scarcity. Why? Because we serve a God of abundance. In which you will lack nothing. A land whose stones are iron and out of his hills you can dig copper. When you have eaten and are full. Now here's the warning. Then you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land which he has given you. Beware that you do not forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments, his judgment, his statutes, which I command you today. Lest when you have eaten and are full and have built beautiful houses and dwell in them. And when your herds and your flocks multiply and your silver and your gold are multiplied and all that you have is multiplied. 
when your heart is lifted up and when you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage who led you through the great and terrible wilderness in which there were fiery serpents and scorpions and thirsty land where there was no water who brought water from from you out of the flinty rock who fed you in the wilderness with manna which your fathers did not know that he might humble you and might test you to do good in the end key verses then you will say in your heart my power and my might of my hand have gained me this wealth verse 18 and you shall remember the Lord your God for it is he who gives you the power to get wealth why that he may establish his covenant which he swore to your fathers as it is this day isn't that good Prosperity with a purpose is what God said to his people in the Old Testament, but how much more us? Notice the language. You don't hear any poverty or barely get by in that language. And that's what God says for us because that's his will for our life. All the promises of God are yes and amen in Jesus. And what did God say? I'm going to bring you into a good land. That's what his will for all of us in here. And he says, It's going to have all these types of fruit. It's going to have all these crops. It's going to have water. It's going to be a land where you eat without scarcity. It's going to be a land that you don't lack. It's going to be a land that's flowing with milk and honey. And that's still God's will for all of us in here. Now they were an agricultural people. So that was wealth and increase and abundance in their time and day. But then he says, but beware, once you get there and you're prosperous, man, and God's blessed your business and he's blessed your family and now you're living in the new house and you have the better car and your kids go to private school and you got more in the bank account. He says, don't forget, it wasn't you who got you here. It wasn't. It wasn't you who worked yourself into this wealth and just you did it by yourself. No. When you get there, because all of us can get there in God and prosperous, but what's the warning when you get there? Don't forget about me. Keep your heart right towards me. I'll give it to you, but don't let those things have your heart. I'll bless you, but don't forget it was me. Who gave you the power to prosper? It was me who gave you the power to have wealth. It was me who caused you to have the abundance. It was me that blessed your family. It was me that healed your body. It was me that got you on the other side of that. Don't forget me when you get there. Because you'll get there. Because God's a good God. But just keep your heart right. And I've seen that before. People get blessed and... God prospers them and then they, they don't come to church as much as they used to. They don't give like they used to. They don't worship like they used to because they're not desperate anymore. Don't forget where you got it from. And God says, when you get there, remember it was the Lord your God who gave you the power to get wealth. Why? There's a purpose to establish his covenant on the earth. He gave you that money, why? So you could bless other people. So you could help other people. 
so you could establish his church and his kingdom on the earth. That's what it's there for. Not just so you could build a better house or have a better car. He doesn't care about those things just as long as they don't have you. God wants to bless and prosper you. Why? For the purpose of blessing others. And that's what we believe as a church. That's what we believe as a church. And we're going to step into that more and more as a church. But we have to get a hold of that. We have to believe that. Did you guys get something today? Come on, let's stand up today. I appreciate you listening to me. I know I was fired up as usual. But I'm excited about it. I will never hide my passion for teaching you the truth of God's word. Because it matters. It matters. If you feel comfortable, could you just raise your hands today? Father, we love you today. We thank you today for this message. We pray, Father God, that any wrong thinking that has come into our hearts and minds, whether that's through the world or through religion, we pray that that would be removed from our minds and that we would start seeing you for who you really are. God, we pray that we would have the right mindset and right belief set, that we would believe you for who you are, that you're a God of abundance. You're a God of richness. You're a God of increase. You're a God of more than enough. Help us to think that way and believe that way because that's the way we will receive from you. Father, we ask you the more we talk about this series and we talk about what you have to say about money, Help us to change. Help us to grow. Help us to see the things that we should see in your word about money. Father, we thank you as a church. We're making an agreement with you today. And we say that we are going to be people that prospers so we can be a blessing to other people. God, we're committing as a church family that we're going to keep our heart right towards you. That we're going to serve you and love you and not money. That our heart's going to be in the right place so when you do prosper us and you do increase us, that our hearts will remain tender towards you. That we'll give what you want us to give. We'll do what you want us to do. And I thank you that this church is stepping into a new place financially. I thank you, Father, that we're going to be a debt-free church. We're going to be a church of abundance. Why? Not just for us, but so we can bless other people. We thank you, Father, for it today. We thank you. You're an awesome God. You're a loving Father. You want to take care of us. And thank you. We receive that today, the provision you have for us today. We thank you, Father. We thank you, Father. You didn't leave anything out of our redemption. You made everything available to us. Our salvation, our healing, our deliverance, our provision is all included in our redemption. And we thank you for it today. We thank you, Father, you care about us. You see our needs. You see the issues we're struggling with financially right now. And I thank you, you're going to give us wisdom on how to handle those situations. You're going to bring supernatural provision where there needs to be supernatural provision. And we thank you that you're a God who wants to prosper us that we would have more than enough so we would have everything we need and more than enough to help other people. More than enough. Thank you, Father, for it. 
Can we thank him, Father? Come on, let's thank him. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Come on, just right now, I want you to think back over your life. Think about all the times that he's come through for you. Think about all the times he's provided for you. Think about all the times that you didn't know where you were going to get that money and the bill got paid off. You didn't know where you were going to get that food and then then food showed up at your house. You didn't know how you were going to get past that debt and then the debt got paid off. You didn't know how you were going to move ahead with your house and then you got into that house that you needed. Let's just thank Him for a second. Come on in this room. We're, We're not going to be ungrateful people. We thank you for every provision that you've helped us with, every job opportunity you've given us, every increase we've had in our life. It all comes from you. It's all from you, God. And we thank you for it today. We thank you for it today. We thank you for it today. It all comes from you. Thank you, Father. Thank you for all the provision you provided for us. You've been a good God. You've been a good God. We thank you for it this morning. And we love you today. We love you today. Thank you, Father. And we thank you as we grow in our knowledge of you and your ability to provide, we will step into more increase and more abundance and more prosperity as a church. We thank you for today. Father, I bless your people as they go. Thank you for the protection of God to be upon them, the angels of God to camp around them, to protect them and defend them in all their ways. We thank you for the future being bright for our church and for our families, for our the individuals in this place. We thank you that the best is yet to come for us. And we thank you for all these things in Jesus' name. Thank you so much for listening today. For more information about what's happening at Church on the Rock, visit cotrin.org.